You are listening to Rio Bravo Q Week podcast, your weekly dose of knowledge brought to you by the Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program in Bakersfield, California, a UCLA-affiliated program sponsored by Clinica Sierra Vista. Let us be your healthcare home. This podcast was created for educational purposes only. Visit your primary care provider for additional medical advice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Rio Bravo Q Week. Today is June 2nd, 2023, and this is episode 141. My name is Hector Ariasa, and I'm a faculty member of the Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program in Bakersfield, California. And today, we're going to be talking about adrenal insufficiency. I have a special guest. She's on the last day of her rotation today. And uh, I would like her to be to introduce herself right now. So, hi, Candice. Hi, my name is Candice. I am a medical student at American University of the Caribbean, and I'm very glad to be here today. Great. So, you're going to be talking about adrenal insufficiency, right? Yes. Um, I really think it's important to be able to recognize adrenal insufficiency, especially after having seen patients with adrenal insufficiency when I did my rotation in ICU. I saw how important it is to be able to recognize it quickly to ensure that patients receive appropriate treatment as quickly as possible. What is funny is AI is the the, you know, the acronym for adrenal insufficiency, but that acronym is right now is very popular because everybody's talking about AI, but as in artificial intelligence. So we, uh, Candace and I, we had the idea, oh, let's ask uh, chat GPT, uh, what is adrenal insufficiency? So he came out with this um, little definition, but oh, we asked, uh, what are the adrenal glands? So I'm going to read it to you. It says, the adrenal glands are small endocrine glands located on top of each kidney, and they are small in size, but they play a vital role in producing and secreting essential hormones. So it was just a, a little... Um, you know, a little experiment that we were trying with chat GPT. And it, it, it seems like it's very accurate. Uh, I hope um, I hope we're not breaking any rules here, but we just wanted to try it, right? So it was fun. And it, it came up with a lot of information. Uh, by the way, I tried AI before and some information was wrong. So you have to be very careful when you use it. <laughs> so uh, Candice, so what are we going to be talking about uh, hormones today? What kind of hormones? Uh, glucocorticoids, for example? Yes, uh, glucocorticoids play an important role in the m metabolism of energy reserves by increasing gluconeogenesis, glycogen store uh, synthesis, protein catabolism, lipolysis, appetite, and insulin resistance. So yeah, glucocorticoids are one of those essential hormones that are produced by the adrenal gland. And each adrenal gland is composed of two main parts, and this is just a review for everybody who is out there that might be thinking what's the adrenal gland and how many areas are there. So as a reminder, the outer region of the adrenal gland is called the adrenal cortex and the inner region is called the adrenal medulla. So these two regions have distinct structures and functions. And the adrenal cortex is the, the, uh, the one that has three zones. And as a reminder, the zona glomerulosa, that's the one that secretes mineral corticoids mainly aldosterone, and they will have the zona fasciculata. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, because I studied uh, medicine in, in, in Spanish, so physiology for me is in Spanish, right? So, but the, any, anyway, so the zona fasciculata produces cortisol, and the zona reticularis uh, produces androgens. 
So um, a little bit of information regarding mineral corticoids. Uh, they're a class of steroid hormones produced by the zona glomerulosa of the adrenal gland that influence electrolyte and water balance through modifying renal absorption of sodium and potassium. Let's start with the definition of AI. So AI, any time you hear the word insufficiency added to any organ, that means that the organ is not functioning properly. So adrenal insufficiency means that there is an inadequate functioning of the adrenal glands. So that's the basic definition. We mentioned already glucocorticoids, mineral, mineral corticoids, and sex hormones. We're going to be focusing mostly on the glucocorticoids and mineral corticoids because as a reminder for everyone, we have the other glands uh, that can produce sex hormones, right? The testicles and the ovaries. So we're not going to be covering that because usually they are supplemented by those those glands and not necessarily by the adrenal gland. So uh, we're going to break up adrenal insufficiency into primary and secondary and acute and chronic. So let's start, Candice. Primary adrenal insufficiency is caused by either the abrupt destruction of the adrenal gland or by progressive destruction or atrophy, whereas secondary adrenal insufficiency is due to conditions that impair the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access, leading to decreased ACTH production. Causes of primary adrenal insufficiency include autoimmune adrenalitis, which is the most common cause in the United States, infectious adrenalitis, um, tuberculosis being the most common cause worldwide, adrenal hemorrhage, infiltration of the adrenal gland by tumors, amyloidosis or hemochromatosis, adrenalectomy, cortisol synthesis inhibitors such as rifampin, fluconazole, phenytoin, or ketoconazole, uh, 21B hydroxylase deficiency and vitamin B5 deficiency. Well, you mentioned many causes of primary adrenal insufficiency. I just want to stress fluconazole, which is commonly used uh, to treat pulmonary coxy here in our, in our valley. It's also called valley fever. Um, but let's talk about the secondary causes. What secondary causes do you find? Causes of secondary adrenal insufficiency include uh, sudden discontinuation of chronic glucocorticoid therapy, stress such as infection, trauma, su or surgery during prolonged glucocorticoid therapy, and hypopituitarism. Okay, so when you guys are giving prednisone to a patient and it's a high dose and you stop it, that's when you have the secondary adrenal insufficiency. So uh, it has many symptoms and now Candice is going to Teach us what symptoms or how what's the clinical presentation of this adrenal insufficiency? Yes. So first, let's talk about um, the acute manifestation because adrenal insufficiency can present acutely or chronically with uh, more insidious symptoms. But we will first discuss the acute manifestation of adrenal insufficiency, which is also known as adrenal crisis. In patients who demonstrate uh, demonstrate vasodilatory shock, unexplained severe hypoglycemia or unexplained hyponatremia, whether or not the patient is known to have adrenal insufficiency, adrenal crisis should be considered as a possibility. Adrenal crisis is a life-threatening emergency that requires immediate medical treatment and can occur in either primary or secondary adrenal insufficiency, though it is most common in patients with primary adrenal insufficiency. A uh, main feature of adrenal crisis is shock, but patients may have vague symptoms such as anorexia, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, weakness, fatigue, 
lethargy, fever, confusion, or coma. In patients with adrenal crisis from primary adrenal insufficiency, volume depletion and hypotension are the major clinical features resulting from mineral mineral corticoid deficiency. In contrast, patients with adrenal crisis from secondary adrenal insufficiency, which is an isolated glucocorticoid deficiency, will have hypotension secondary to decreased vascular tone without volume depletion. Yeah, I can see it's, it's an emergency. Just as a recap for what you just said. So if you have a patient with unexplained hyponatremia, hypoglycemia, hypotension, you have to think in adrenal insufficiency. In the acute setting, if you're in the hospital and you see that, you know, that, that could be the answer to your, to your patient. So, um, and why is it that important that we recognize this uh, quickly? It's important because we want to start management as quickly as possible. So you should be able to recognize the signs of adrenal crisis very quickly and management should be started as quickly as possible. When adrenal crisis is suspected, you do not wait for laboratory results before initiating treatment as it is a life-threatening medical emergency. After all necessary laboratory tests have been collected, including serum electrolytes, glucose, routine measurement of plasma cortisol and ACTH, and IV access has been established, go ahead and infuse 2 to 3 liters of isotonic saline or 5% dextrose in isotonic saline as quickly as possible and give a bolus of hydrocortisone 100 milligrams IV followed by 500 milligrams IV every 6 hours or 200 milligrams over a 24-hour period as a continuous IV infusion for the first 24 hours. Okay, so you start with hydrocortisone, 100 milligrams IV, followed by 50 milligrams, right? Yes. 50 every 6 hours or 200 in 24 hours as a continuous IV infusion. So that's that's very important. So fluids is the answer to many of the endocrine emergencies. You know, and this is not the exception. So give fluids, isotonic saline, or uh, 5% dextrose in isotonic saline, and, um, and then add the hydrocortisone if you are suspecting this diagnosis. If hydrocortisone is not available, there are some alternative glucocorticoids that can be used. Um, alternative glucocorticoids um, include methylprednisolone and dexamethasone. So those can be used if hydrocortisone is not available, but hydrocortisone is the preferred. When patient is, uh, while patient is hemodynamically unstable, it is important to frequently monitor vital signs and serum electrolytes and avoid iatrogenic fluid overload. When the patient has stabilized, continue IV isotonic saline at a slower rate for 24 to 48 hours. And for patients with primary adrenal insufficiency, you want to make sure you begin mineral corticoid replacement with fludrocortisone, 0.1 milligrams orally daily when the saline infusion has been stopped. If there is a concern for an infectious precipitating cause of adrenal crisis, perform an extensive infectious workup. So you say fluids, then hydrocortisone, and then add fludrocortisone, which is the mineral corticoid. Okay, so that's in the case of an acute crisis or an acute adrenal insufficiency. But then we know that also the adrenal insufficiency can be chronic with insidious or vague symptoms. So let's talk about that. It's also known as Addison's disease. 
So let's talk about the chronic adrenal insufficiency, which we can see more frequently in clinic. Yes. Um, so early symptoms of chronic adrenal insufficiency can be vague and nonspecific, such as fatigue, weight loss, and GI complaints, making the clinical diagnosis more difficult than acute adrenal insufficiency. Diagnosis must be confirmed through a thorough endocrine evaluation to determine the type and cause of the adrenal insufficiency, but treatment should be started before the diagnosis is established in acutely ill patients, like in adrenal crisis. Primary and secondary adrenal insufficiency share common clinical manifestations such as fatigue, weight loss, anorexia, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, amenorrhea, diffuse myalgia, arthralgia, confusion, delirium, stupor, depression, psychosis, mania, anxiety, disorientation, hallucination. Wow, that's a lot of that's a lot of symptoms, Candice. Honestly, like that can be half of my patients. <laughs> but then um, let's just keep adrenal insufficiency in mind, you know, differential diagnosis, because many patients might be experiencing this. And we usually hear about the hyperpigmentation of Addison's, but, you know, some patients might not have it. But um, what can you tell me about the, the hyperpigmentation? Um, so there are some uh, clinical manifestations that are very indicative of primary adrenal insufficiency, um, including orthostatic hypotension, salt craving, hyperpigmentation, especially of the uh, areas that are not typically exposed to sunlight, such as the palmar creases or mucous membranes of the mouth. Um, you can also see vitil uh, vitiligo, through, though hyperpigmentation is much more common in primary adrenal insufficiency, um, you'll also see more pronounced hypotension and auricular calcifications. That's very important that you mentioned that, that vitiligo can also be present because I, I don't think I remember reading that in my medical school, but so hyperpigmentation and hypopigmentation too. So let's talk about what labs we can do or what we can find in the labs if we do it. Yes, in primary adrenal insufficiency, laboratory results will show electrolyte disturbances such as hyponatremia, hyperkalemia, and hypercalcemia, azotemia, uh, normocytic anemia, eosinophilia, increased renin, normal anion gap metabolic acidosis, hypoglycemia, increased ACTH, low cortisol, low aldosterone, increased cortisol releasing hormone, and decreased DHEAS. Okay, that's a lot of labs. But <laughs> basically, if we see a patient with, um, you know, electrolyte disturbances, hyponatremia, hyperkalemia, and hypercalcemia, it should, you know, uh, prompt us to to do a, a workup for AI. And uh, so you mentioned also eosinophilia, which is interesting. The clinical manifestations of secondary adrenal insufficiency is similar, right, to those with primary. There's mm -hmm. not a much difference. Um, but what are some of the exceptions? So um, some of the exceptions include a less pronounced hypotension than primary adrenal insufficiency, the absence of dehydration, and pale skin as opposed to hyperpigmentation seen in adrenal insufficient uh, primary adrenal insufficiency. Um, and then for laboratory results in secondary adrenal insufficiency, they will show normal aldosterone, sodium, potassium, and renin levels, and decreased ACTH and cortisol, and increased cortisol-releasing hormone. Okay, so we have diagnosed a patient with AI, chronic, um, or primary. So what are we going to do now? 
So uh, treatment of primary adrenal insufficiency focuses on the replacement of before hypocortisolism with glucocorticoids and hypoaldosteronism with mineral corticoids. In contrast, treatment of secondary adrenal insufficiency focuses on replacement for hypocortisolism with glucocorticoids without the need to supplement for aldosterone. Okay, so again, primary is hyper hypocortisolism plus hypoaldosteronism. And then mm -hmm. the secondary is mostly hypocorticalism, right? Cortisolism, yes. sorry. Yes. Corticals. Oh, man. Cortisolism. <laughs> okay. So, and the glucocorticoids can be um, different. So, which ones are we going to be using? So just like an adrenal crisis, um, short-acting glucocorticoids, such as hydrocortisone, which is the preferred um, medication, uh, because they roughly mimic the normal diurnal rhythm of uh, cortisol release, um, intermediate acting, such as prednisone or prednisolone, and long-acting glucocorticoids, such as dexamethasone are acceptable alternatives, especially in patients who are non-compliant with multi-day dose schedules or those with severe late evening or early morning symptoms. But due to inter-individual uh, metabolism of dexamethasone, be cautious in over-treating patients. So let's give hydrocortisone mainly to yeah. our patients. If they cannot be compliant, then you can go to prednisone or dexamethasone. Okay. Um, whether the patient is receiving short-acting, intermediate-acting, or long-acting, ensure the patients receive the lowest glucocorticoid dose that relieves symptoms without, uh, while avoiding symptoms and signs of glucocorticoid excess, such as weight gain, facial plethora, truncal obesity, osteoporosis, etc. Yeah, and it's going to depend on some patients, right? If the, some patients are going to need it for life, some patients might be temporarily on those glucocorticoids. But uh, just as a recap, what you mentioned, so for primary, you're going to be replacing both glucocorticoids and mineral corticoids. And then in the secondary, you're mostly going to replace glucocorticoids. And then mm -hmm. the glucocorticoids can be short, intermediate, and long-acting. What about mineral corticoids? So mineral corticoids, um, you're primarily going to use fludrocortisone 0.1 milligrams per day, um, and that is the preferred agent for mineral corticoid replacement in patients with primary adrenal insufficiency. Though patients who are receiving hydrocortisone therapy in conjunction may require a lower dose of 0.05 milligrams per day, um, mineral corticoid therapy may need to be increased during the summer due to salt loss in perspiration. Just as a reminder for everyone, aldosterone works by controlling the reabsorption of sodium and excretion of potassium. It influences water reabsorption because anything that goes with sodium goes, um, I mean, water was always with sodium, right? So, and it is part of the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, which is their famous RAS, and that's to maintain blood pressure. So, aldosterone, if we're going to be replacing it, so that's why you mentioned, may need to be increased during the summer. Yes, and especially being um, in California, that's something that would really need to be considered for um, patients, uh, especially during like the summer months where it gets really hot here. So it's very important to make sure to keep a close eye on that, especially 
here. Um, in addition, it is important that patients also receive adequate education about their medical condition and causes, whether it is primary or secondary adrenal insufficiency, especially maintenance of medication, adjustment of dosing during um, minor illnesses, and when to consult a clinician. Yeah, I have an anecdote about a patient that has this adrenal insufficiency because uh, this patient has congenital adrenal hyperplasia. And one day he came to my clinic, his blood pressure was super low. He had a little cold and I uh, kind of like I freaked out. You know, I was in my first year after after my residency and the patient was like, it's okay. I'm just going to take a, a little bit more of my hydrocortisone. I'll be fine. And I was like, okay, I want you to call me. Uh, when you get home, you take your medication and then tell me what your blood pressure is. And effectively, you know, the blood pressure was improved. It was like something in clinic was like 80 over 40. I was like, okay, you're going to the ER and you're going in an ambulance. But then he went home, he took his medication and within one hour, his blood pressure was normalized, which I was like very relieved by. <laughs> so uh, Candice, thank you so much for explaining all this concept to us. And I would like um, to close this episode with a little summary. Yes. Yeah, so bottom line, um, adrenal insufficiency can be acute or chronic, primary or secondary. Um, in primary adrenal insufficiency, laboratory results will show uh, electrolyte abnormalities such as hyponatremia and hyperkalemia with increased ACTH, whereas in secondary adrenal insufficiency, electrolytes will be normal and ACTH will be decreased. Both primary and secondary adrenal insufficiency require treatment with glucocorticoids, with the preferred agent being hydrocortisone, um, a, but a mineral corticoid uh, with preferred agent being fludrocortisone should be added in the setting of primary adrenal insufficiency. And it is very important that we recognize this very quickly and treat it appropriately in order to avoid adrenal crisis. Very good. Thank you so much, Candice. And thank you, everyone for listening to us and um, tune in for next week. Now we conclude episode number 141, Adrenal Insufficiency Basics. We encourage you to recognize acute adrenal insufficiency promptly and start IV fluids and glucocorticoids stat. Candace reminded us that chronic adrenal insufficiency presents with vague and insidious symptoms including hypotension, fatigue, weight loss, anorexia, hyperpigmentation of the skin, and even vitiligo. Make sure to include our colleagues from endocrinology if you have concerns. This week, we thank Hector Ariasa and Candace Wilson. Audio editing by Adrienne Silva. Even without trying, every night you go to bed a little wiser. Thanks for listening to Rio Bravo Q Week podcast. We want to hear from you. Send us an email at Week at clinicasierravista.org or visit our website, riobravofmrp.org slash qweek. See you next week.